Retail Supply Chain Show, where we break down great retailers, the supply chains that move them, and the data, of course, that they use to make those decisions. Uh, I'm really excited for today's show. We have some actual guests from Freightways today, some people that we're going to introduce you to if you're not already a part of their community. That was a hint of who they could be. Uh, but of course, you know, before we dive into a couple of headlines I wanted to talk about today, I wanted to remind everyone to make sure that you're not only subscribing to this podcast video, wherever you're looking at this today, hopefully Freightwaves TV, uh, but we are also a newsletter and a community as well. So uh, make sure that you're going to freightwaves.com slash POS and subscribing to not just my newsletter, but all of our community newsletters. We have some really interesting stuff coming up technology-wise um, related to our own application that you'll be hearing from us soon. That's really gonna start engaging our communities and allowing us to really go talk one-on-one -on -one with you guys on a daily basis. Um, I'm really excited for all that to come to fruition here. I think in the next couple of weeks, we'll be announcing that. So definitely make sure that you're becoming a part of our communities, that you're subscribing to not just Point of Sale, but to all of our different communities out there. We have some really interesting content coming from all of us and um, a lot of fun stuff coming in, in 2022. I can't believe it's 2022. I just got used to writing that date. So yeah, everyone, make sure that you go to freightwaves.com slash POS, get that newsletter and make sure you check for the rest of the newsletters as well. Um, but other than that, let's dive into a few fun things I wanted to review from the last couple of weeks. Uh, the first one is an, a recent announcement that came out from our own U.S. Postal Service. Um, you know, the Postal Service has had up and, ups and downs over the last couple of years, but uh, about a year ago, they came out with their whole Delivering for America initiative. That's their goal to generate over $24 billion by 2030 mostly by um, focusing their attention on businesses and how they could better serve them. Now, of course, the United States Postal Service legally has to uh, be able to deliver to every address here in the United States, which is honestly a feat of its own, right? Um, but on top of that, they want to make sure that they're capturing all the businesses, not just the large ones that have contracted them, but the small and medium-sized businesses as well. So they just announced that they're going to be releasing their USPS Connect services to small and medium-sized businesses here soon. Uh, they've been piloting, piloting this over the last year, actually about a year and a half now, in Texas uh, since last September. Um, and it's really their way of competing with, with companies like Amazon, um, who have really great fulfillment services, not just for delivering products and picking up products, but also for returning those as well. So there's four main segments they're going to be focusing on. One is Connect Local, and I think that's going to be the huge one for most people. It's going to be a next day delivery service at all locations across the United States. Uh, so it's not going to be just select cities, but everyone's going to have availability to that. Um, some locations will even have the ability to do same-day delivery along with Sunday delivery and pickup. Uh, so that's going to be really interesting. They're also going to have Connect Regional, which is going to be their next day uh, regional uh, delivery service for parcels and lightweight packages. So you know, you're looking at more of like the heavier, um, heavier goods and brick and mortar companies, stores as well. 
on top of that, um, they're also going to be opening up UP USPS Connect National, which is going to be offering better first class class package services to small and medium sized businesses as well. A lot of these have been around. They just really been focused there, uh, focused on the pricing for larger retailers and larger businesses. So this is more starting to trickle down these services to them directly. And my last uh, and most favorite of them is uh, USPS Connect Returns. Now I'm interested in this one just because I know that reverse logistics is a really tough initiative. Um, so with USPS already struggling with some of the different initiatives they come out in the past. I'm interested in how this one works out for them. But basically, it's going to offer their customers just free returns, which is huge. Um, it's something that Amazon has been able to do for quite some time. So again, this is for them to really start focusing on driving towards that $24 billion increase by 2030. And if you want to read more on that, go check out Brian Street's article on Modern Shipper, um, affiliate of FreightWaves as well. Um, on top of that, I'm going to talk about two topics that kind of blend together. Um, overall, it's warehousing, right? We've, we've had guests on in the past that have talked about different warehousing, robotics, automation, um, even uh, for looking at different um, scheduling services and things like that as well. Um, a recent study came out that said 73% of warehouse operators can't find enough employees. This is another uh, grand slam coming in from Brian Strait on FreightWaves.com. Uh, according to Jason Miller, who's an associate professor at my favorite school of all time, Michigan State University, uh, truck courier, messenger, and warehousing levels, uh, hiring levels are at an all-time high. Um, just like trucking, we're having a hard time finding people to fill in these warehouse uh, jobs. And they're increasing rate, the rates. They're on average about $2.54 per hour is um, what we've seen over the last year in terms of wage increases. And most of the people that were part of this study, about 20% of them have even said they've raised uh, the rates up to $3 more an hour, which is huge, um, especially for what most of these people are making that could be close to a 20% increase for them. Now, uh, what's interesting to me is that there's a lot of people that are also, I know Amazon for sure is giving out interesting packages, whether it's stock or really great benefits packages. Uh, but what I find interesting is this study also dove into like, okay, what do these people want? What's gonna actually attract them to the job? And it's actually pretty common to what most of us have said and even our own experiences. It's, it's a flexible schedule. So that really shows you the importance of the different technologies that are being invested in these warehouses, being able to figure out the perfect way to run a warehouse so that you can offer that flexible scheduling. I completely understand why a lot of warehouse operators might have a hard time fulfilling that need. Um, until we're able to actually automate warehouses, it's going to be tough to automate a, a flexible schedule. Um, and a statistic, unfortunately, is only 5% of the world's warehouses have either robotics or some type of automation inside of them. Uh, so it shows you how far we are behind. And I think it was three or four episodes ago, we even had SVT Robotics on here explaining that even the people behind automation in these robotics are are far behind on finding integrators and engineers to come up with demand. So um, basically, if you're hiring in the supply chain uh, arena and all types of jobs, uh, you're going to have to really show your, your employees what their future has to hold here because it's not just going to be that wage that's going to 
keep them coming. And uh, on top of that, you know, if we're speaking about robotics, uh, Right Hand Robotics today announced that they actually raised $66 million in their Series C. Uh, it's led by Safar Partners, Thomas H. Lee Partners, and one of my favorite, SoftBank's Vision Fund 2. Um, and what's really interesting about this one, we've talked in the past that whenever you see these raises, it's always smart to dive into strategic investors. And one who was a part of this, actually two, is Zero Technologies, which we've talked about in the past, and Epson. So that shows you that you know even the providers of these type of robotics are investing in others who might be um, trying to automate robotics in a different form or different way or epson someone who might be using this technology here in the future uh fun fact whenever you guys hear softbank um, i've recently been doing research on them and they're part of softbank group as a whole uh the founder and ceo of, of softbank group is mesa yoshi san who actually um start not really started softbank but believes in this type of 300 year business plan a 300 year business plan. How many out there have a 300 year business plan? I don't. I, I really have a weak business plan, let alone 300 years. And it's based off the belief of the singularity. So it's this point where artificial technology out uh, runs human intelligence. So whenever you see robotics and SoftBank, realize that that's <laughs> That's the main goal that we're looking for. And they've always been a strategic and smart investor. Um, I'm sure most of the companies that you guys know of, especially in the delivery last mile side of things, DoorDash, things of that nature, they're a part of a big name. So let's maybe we'll do a fun episode about them in the future. But until then, uh, I want to get to our guests because this is going to be a fun day where we're talking about the trials and tribulations of the retail supply chain. And we're going down to the nitty gritty, the people that are moving them. So today, let's welcome Thomas. He's actually FreightWaves Enterprise Trucking Carrier Expert. You all probably recognize him from Loaded and Rolling, one of our other communities podcast as well. He started at Arrive Logistics and was part of AI Fleet. So he's got a really interesting viewpoint on not just what carriers want, but what carriers are going to want in the future as we start automating and adding technology. Thomas, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, this is going to be a fun day. I, I, I'm really excited, especially I, I met you here at FreightWaves. So I'm interested, what brought you to FreightWaves? What made you want to go from, you know, just like myself, kind of like the operations, the dirty part of this job to reporting? Yeah. And, you know, I think it's been a wild ride. I started in trucking for five years at U.S. Express Enterprises, went up through the ranks and fought in the trenches. I end up at Arrive Logistics and then... Prior to Freight Waves, I was at uh, the trucking tech startup AI Fleet out of Austin, Texas. So I guess the story is I'm working at the tech startup and I'm, you know, I'm getting my teeth kicked in. And so we're making a big difference. And I see this thing on Freight Waves where uh, there's a position for enterprise trucking carrier expert. And I thought to myself, well, I know a little bit about trucking and I've done a bunch of jobs. Let's check it out. Let's see. So um, I put in. And I get to talk with J.P. Hampstead, uh, who is, uh, as you know, he's, he's very uh, active on Freight Waves doing analysis. And so he brings me in, I get interviewed, and I thought I killed it. I really, I love to ramble. I thought I just blew it. So I think to myself in July, you know, or whenever I applied, oh, man, you know, this, well, this was a bummer. Going back to the startup, of course. 
And finally, uh, last year, I get reached back out to a few months later, and it was an opportunity. So I guess the why to that question is, I have a lot of experience in trucking. I can do operations kind of like yourself here. You're an operations person. You move up. Uh, this is a great opportunity to take that and kind of educate uh, people. I come from a family of teachers. My grandmother was a teacher. My grandfather was a principal. I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you become proficient enough, it's very important to give back. And, you know, if I can provide this information from my experiences and highlight things that other people are talking about, then maybe I can help, you know, make trucking a little bit of a better place than the suffering when I first started in it. <laughs> I didn't know that about you. My mom actually is a teacher of 37 years, about to retire in a few months here. And, you know, I feel the same way. It's like, sometimes I think people just let, think I like to hear myself talk. But for me, it's, I want people to learn about this and figure out, you know, how are your goods getting in front of you? What impact it has on the environment? You know, what is the over, you know, what's happening behind the scenes that is actually really interesting and might might make someone look deeper into where their goods are coming from or who their partners are in their supply chain. So I completely agree with you and and also say thank you, JP, for hiring me as well. <laughs> he was one of the best interviews I've ever had. So I love that. Um, now that you're doing loaded and rolling, how's it going so far? And what guests and topics have you guys been talking about? I think it's been doing very well. It's, it's something where this is my first foray into media. Uh, it's kind of like drinking through a fire hose in terms of learning how to present this information. So I'm always appreciative of my early guests for bearing with me as I'm working on this show format. But it, I think it's been very useful. I've had folks like Chris Henry on talking about uh, issues in Canada while we have the you know protests and stuff going along in the border, the vaccine mandates, and just trying to find interesting things. I had uh, Mark Elquery with AI Fleet and then Dr. David Carell with MIT. And we talked about reporting on the driver shortage. And so you know, we've hit a few a few cool topics here, also talking about driver safety with Brian Runnels and just trying to provide that that information that, like you said, we're trying to illuminate the story of the supply chain. We always wonder how these things get in the shelves. How does everything get here? With Corona, we now wonder why is it not getting here fast enough? And so part of my goal is just to make sure that, you know, we can finally peel back the curtain behind this wild world of supply chain that trucking, which I'm focusing on, plays such a crucial role. That's awesome. And so that was probably really fun having your your old CEO like as a part of your show. That's a complete 360 of where you are. If you could have a dream guest, like anyone in, in particular, um, who would you have? Who is someone you just really, really want to get on the show? So I would say technically it's always my next guest. It's always going to be my dream guest. But if I could ever have one, I would say this one's a little far out. It's not directly trucking related, but it would be the guy who created Dilbert, Scott Adams. I, I feel that reading the comics perfectly illustrated the corporate sufferings sometimes that happen at any large company and just kind of like getting that thought of like, how trucking is kind of like that way because it's almost like trucking is this unique thing, but there's always the meetings and the other little silly things that, you know, kind of overarc 
at large organizations. And so I'd, I'd love to do that. It turns out the guy was like a trained persuasion guy. And so it'd be so cool to get some thoughts on like how persuasion impacts trucking, because there is, if you think about it, when you recruit drivers for a trucking company, you have to convince them to join. And if they've never drove, you have to convince them to spend thousands of dollars to go to a CDL being in that CDL school for at least like four to six weeks minimum, then go out on the road with a trainer for a few months. And then finally, after all this, you go out alone on your own. And then how do you, you know, help convince people that this job is important, but it's also very difficult. No, that's a perfect way of having him on. That's what I love about, you know, just even working at Freightways, but just content alone is, if you can make those connections, that that's a great episode. So I think you should keep shooting for the stars and make that happen, of course. Um, so you helped move retail goods in the past. I'm interested from your perspective, you know, what is, especially working with carriers, what is a sign that this is going to be an easy load to take care of? And like, what's a signal that like, this is just going to go like so bad, consider my week off. <laughs> Definitely. And I think to preface that, preface that answer, there's really two different types of experiences when we're looking at uh, that's going to be good or not. So I'll start with the large carrier first, because a large carrier is going to, how they interact with retail is going to be extremely, you know, a little bit different than how a smaller carrier will because of the size, the scale, and the scope. So large carrier, let's say we have a Walmart, a Procter & Gamble, a Target distribution center. We've got trailer pools in the 50 to 100 range if it's a big enough lane. And we're just kind of sending in drivers to pick up a preloaded trailer or drop and hook a loaded one and then pick up an empty trailer. So a lot of our things when we talk about uh, the customers and stuff in retail, you'll find out which one supply chains are getting hammered based on how long they keep your trailers there. So let's say that uh, Home Depot is doing a spring surge. Well, now your trailers will be stuck there seven days instead of three days until delivery. So large carriers interact with that in regards to a lot of preloaded stuff speeds up the process, but you still have to on the back end live unload the product or drop it somewhere. So you do get to see this dynamic of inbound DC distribution center transfer to transfer, but then you have a DC to outbound store that you know they may get very angry about so we know how large carriers do it if you're a smaller carrier the first thing is it's very hard to work with large retailers uh, a customer like a walmart home depot tractor supply would love to have more 10 truck carriers or 50 but at the same time you don't really have the bargaining power as 2000 trucks so your experiences with these guys may be through brokers uh, who will usually handle the hardest to cover freight in their network. Remember, around 70% of most freight for customers on average is contracted among carriers. The so 30% that gets a little bit more work input into it goes to the brokers. So, you know, knowing that, showing up at a distribution center without a trailer pool sucks. You've got to wait to get loaded. Uh, you can take that and it could take four to six hours if they're busy and behind. You know, a live load, a live unload. Your entire dynamic involves being slowed down versus the speed at which a large carrier can take all of these trailers and just go. So it, it is different. There's definitely two different ways of looking at it. 
and in terms of how you interact with a retail customer based on that size. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't really think about the trailer pool situation because that would add a whole different dynamic where you're right, as a small carrier, you're just, you're stuck there sitting there. Um, it's probably why we're starting to see people like Freight Vanis starting to implement their own trailer pools because that right there is going to help that situation out. So interesting perspective. Um, if we can actually bring up a photo that uh, Thomas had sent me earlier today. Um, Thomas, explain to me what's this photo? What happened here? What happened with this perishable customer? Uh, let the audience know about this horror story. <laughs> It, it's a it's a real doozy. So this is from my startup days at AI Fleet, and what had happened was we were hauling a shipment of apples cross country in a dry van trailer. Now, traditionally, <laughs> apples can be loaded in crates or other nice things or uh, Gaylords, which are actually big bulk uh, containers. They're kind of like bigger crates, and you just dump them in it. But these guys were literally they they backed up to the apple place and they literally had a chute and they just put all the apples in the back of the trailer. That was the first uh, kind of signal this would not be a good time. And then the second one was the driver ended up having a breakdown in Montana. So when we have a truck breakdown, regardless of the carrier size, what we do is called a repower or you know, you're handing off the load to another truck. The first truck couldn't get it. My driver was the one tasked with taking it. It turns out that it needed to go to Michigan, the third part of the story. And so we pick up the load and we take it over there. We didn't know that we were picking up these apples or that they shifted, but there wasn't a little bit of a smell coming from outside the trailer. So we arrive in Michigan, they open up the doors. Turns out that looking at that photo, you'll see how some of the apples ended up getting uh, turned into applesauce. Well, if you don't secure your apples, they're gonna shake and move and the ones on top smush the ones on the bottom. And what turned out is the entire bottom of the trailer was coated with apple paste and juices. And these are wooden floors. Reefer trailers oh, no. may use metal floors. I, it's easy to clean out a metal floor. It smelled like literally apples for weeks. I took it through three trailer washes. I still couldn't get the apple smell out. And so the valuable lesson is, you know, when you're shipping in your apples, try to put them in boxes. <laughs> and if someone offers you a load of apples, just be very careful because it may end up turning into apple paste and fermenting while you're transporting it. Good for things like apple brandy, not good for things like dry van trailers. And even think of your own fridge, right? Like be smart where you're putting your apples in your fridge. Realize they're bruising in certain spots for this reason. And so <laughs> that's exactly. You know, and it brings you to the point like commodity is king. Small carriers rely on commodity large carriers do bulk van retail you know kind of stuff where it's already preloaded you don't really care if you're riding the rails doing spot freight it may sound like a good idea it may pay like a good idea but by the time you get there it may not have been a good idea <laughs> so uh tell uh the audience uh where they can learn more about you and get some of this loaded and rolling content into their email box as well Definitely. Now they can check it out, freightwaves.com, uh, loaded and rolling. Or you can just Google loaded and rolling on Freightwaves. I also do uh, the podcast, of course. We go live every Monday at 2.30 p.m. And uh, definitely check it out. Subscribe if you like. I'm active on LinkedIn. I'll post some stuff up as well just uh, to kind of show and get the information out. 
but I really enjoyed doing it. Hopefully it gets some people thinking about not only the apples, but just how crazy it is sometimes just getting things to point A to point B. Uh, the, the finish up, I used to joke, it was always a miracle that things got delivered before the pandemic to distribution center. Now we're finding out the extent of uh, how much that can, can go. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much, Thomas, for being on the show today. And hopefully we'll have you back on soon. Thank you so much. Oh man, I do not miss those days. I remember having, it wasn't a retail customer, but it was a large equipment customer who uh, their unloading process consisted of, um, uh, it was a flatbed trailer, uh, unhinging the rolling um, boxes kind of on the truck and quickly going forward, slamming on the brakes and just letting the carts roll off the side. It was the most, uh, insane experience I ever had. And I'll just say I, out of my own pocket, I sent that driver back and we reloaded the truck on someone else because you gotta be safe and you gotta be protective of those apples. And um, for everyone, thank you so much for being part of the show. Make sure that you guys are going to freightwaves.com slash POS, subscribing to the subscribing to, of course, all of our podcasts and this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, uh, YouTube as well, so that you guys are getting those, uh, notifications and last but not least let me know my hairstylist is in town should i go back to blue should i keep it the same let me know your thoughts other than that thank you everyone for being part of the show and i'll see you next week